Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. People have termed as being old-fashioned. Uh, some people have perhaps termed as being religious. And maybe, sadly at times, there's been a bit of a switch off. But I want you to be switched on and drawn into it uh, today. But boundaries, the definition of boundary is a line that marks or limits an area. Those of you that like cricket will know that the, 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 the rope that goes around the field is called a boundary rope. It's giving a, a, a space for the game to be played in. And, uh, and uh, 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 there's a sense where boundaries uh, impact and determine our life far more than we realize. We can go beyond boundaries and sometimes you'll hear the phrase, or oh, he or she has crossed the line, crossed the line, gone beyond the boundary. Now, make no mistake that in this, we've got to try and find a balance. Because in John's gospel, in chapter 8, on two occasions, Jesus talks about freedom. He says that you shall know the truth, this is the word of God, and the truth shall set you free. And then he goes on to say, three or four verses later, so whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we believe, Helen's spoken, I just back home that if you've never done growth track, please seek to give those three consecutive Sundays after church, beginning in March, to know God, to find freedom, to discover your purpose and to make a difference. And as we've been reminded, that is not linear, it's cyclical. We want to continually get to know God better and continually find freedom. The good news message of the Christian faith is that God wants us to be free. So where the boundaries come in to all this? Well, true liberty, true freedom comes with responsibility. And as we navigate the wide open spaces of God in our purposes and in our destiny, God wants us to recognize that that truly works when we find also the boundaries that he's speaking about. In Isaiah 35, 8, and I'm going to make a few comments before I come to our verse for the morning, but in Isaiah 35, 8, it talks about a highway of holiness. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people and calling them to walk the ways of God, the highway of holiness. Now, using that imagery of travel for a moment, let's think about freedom with boundaries. So those of you that drive a car and have drove a car in this morning, you didn't jump in the car and say, you know what, we've got a boundary, it's called the highway coach. But in your subliminal, that's exactly what's happening because when you came to a traffic light and it was red, what did you do? Well, you, well some of them did, Pat, you know. And of course, the highway code's been rejigged recently, and so uh, uh, we've got to learn a little bit to, you know, regarding cyclists, because they've now been told not only to go to the left, but to be in the middle of the road. And um, so you maybe need to brush up on the highway code. But there's boundaries. You can't just drive as you like, and uh, otherwise it causes mayhem. We were talking to a, a, a lady in our church that's part of the ministry school and she was involved in an accident where somebody did exactly that. They drove without boundaries and the results 
could have been even worse than what they were. It may be that as we increasingly emerge out of a tough two-year period, you're planning to fly later in the year. You'd like to go where there's some sunshine, perhaps. And so you're thinking of booking your tickets. But the reality is, with the freedom of flying comes boundaries. And to break the protocols of behaving properly on a plane is a very, very... Uh, 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 it's a criminal offence. It's very, very serious. Uh, you can end up literally being uh, bound by the hair stewards if you behaved in a way that was jeopardizing the safety of the other passengers' boundaries. What about those of you that like to walk and get into the wide open spaces? Maybe a coastal walk. Maybe you're taking your children or your grandchildren with you. In the freedom of the walk... There's boundaries. Watch the edge of the cliff. Watch the dangerous path. Watch where perhaps uh, the ground is falling away. Far better to have a boundary at the top of the cliff than calling the ambulance to attend somebody at the bottom of it. Boundaries. So in all of the freedoms that we have in life, there are boundaries. And in Jesus Christ, there's not a qualified freedom whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But as we increasingly find freedom, we realize that for our good, for our benefit, for our security, for our blessing, for the fulfillment of what God wants us to be, he has called us through the teachings of the Bible to understand that he has set boundaries in our life. You see, we have people with an attitude to life that say you can do what you want, when you want, how you want, to who you want, whatever you want, and it brings absolute catastrophic results to society and to relationships and to the working out of life. Full of locked up people trying to find freedom using inappropriate boundaries. It doesn't work. Here's a little, here's a little quote I came across recently and uh, we're just going to follow the message through on the screen and Chris will help me and by the way just how the message has gone this morning is quite a few points so if you want to take a, 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 a photo on your camera I'll class that as an amen so don't uh, think it'll worry me by the way on Skoda cars I've got to go there for a moment <laughs> I do have a Skoda my previous Skoda had 209,000 miles on it before I got rid of it so He's going back to when they first started being built and they had a terrible press. But uh, yeah, this one seems to be okay as well. <laughs> now, this is a quote I came across. The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the people benefiting from you having none. Whoa. The only people that get upset about you setting boundaries are the people that are benefiting from you. Now, I could go there. I could go there, but let me just use one example. So the gambling companies are very happy for you not to set boundaries. In fact, they encourage people who've got problems in that area to actually spend more because they're going to make an increased profit. That's just one example. People will feed at times your lack of boundary because it will suit their profit margins. You've got to come to a place of saying, I'm not going to be determined by that. I'm going to be truly free in Jesus Christ and understand what he has called me 
to do. Now, we're going to come to this Bible verse, and I'm going to seek in the next few minutes to reclaim a word. Sadly, even in the Christian church at times, it's had a bad press. But when we really engage in the truth of it, it will help us to live with godly boundaries. And we're going to put the verse on the, on the screen, and it's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, Just as he, Jesus, who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Here's the word that we're going to try and reclaim. Holiness. Woo, that sounds boring. Woo, that sounds restricted. But it's a beautiful word and we need to re-engage with its truth in these days in which we live. Notice the intentionality of the writer the emphatic nature of how he writes. Not think about it, but be holy, because I am holy. And intentionality speaks of being deliberate, being focused, and being resilient. Now here's another quote from Dr. J.I. Packer, who is a great Bible teacher. In fact, he's only recently gone to be with the Lord, well into his 90s. And around about 30 years ago, Packer wrote a book on holiness. He says this, I think it's prophetic and speaks right into where we're at in culture today. Dr. Packer says, there is a need to blow the whistle on sidelining of personal holiness among Bible-centered Western Christians. That's us. The shift away to focus on fulfillment, ego massage, and self-help techniques for present success that carry no challenge to personal morals is, to my mind, a sad and scandalous fact that needs to be reversed. I say amen. The reality is, friends, we've got to be careful that we're not running to all sorts of things that are simply self-help and miss out on God-help. We're not simply running to motivation, but we engage in revelation. And the revelation is that God wants us to be a holy people or holy people, that brings boundaries, but sets us gloriously free. So we're going to uh, hopefully be re-inspired and re-energized and re-challenged to the call to live a holy life. Let's not be seeking to be those that want to be deleting or expunging the word holiness from Christian truth to help us to be, in quotes, more relevant. That's sad. When the church thinks that it's going to be more relevant by being less holy. It's not. It's not. And here's what somebody said. Here's another quote from somebody that says, the more things change in the world, and by it, don't we live in a changing world? I was reading something about the Queen just last week as she comes to her platinum jubilee, reflecting on the changes in just 70 years. 70 years. You know, I mean, I'm not as old as the Queen. Somebody give me an amen. Amen. <laughs> but you see, I talk to young people with, and they've got wide-eyed wonder to realize that I didn't grow up with a computer because nobody had a personal computer. Really? You really are that old? And life has changed in all sorts of ways. But the more, 
And we don't want to push back on things. We want to embrace the things that are good for change. But the more things change in the world, the more we need to depend on the things that never change. And one being the Word of God. The Word of God endures forever. The Word of God's not gone out of fashion. God's not nervous about the Word of God as though it's not going to stand in a 21st century culture. He's, he's ordained the Word. He's breathed on the Word. And the psalmist says, Forever, Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. Now we want to contextualize it into our culture. We want to make it relevant to kids and young people and people trying to find faith, of course we do. But the more things change in the world, the more we want to run to the things that never change. Now, that word holiness in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, is the word hagios. It's not talking about being weird or strange. It's simply talking about being set apart. In fact, the Bible describes Christians in the New Testament as saints. You may not have felt saintly this week. You may not even believe that you are a saint, but you are. You are set apart unto him if you've given your life to Jesus. And all this at times has been expressed both intentionally and unintentionally, sometimes with good motive and sadly bad motive, in a way that sometimes has not drawn people to, but pushed people away. And if you've been a believer, and if you've been someone that's been around church, and maybe sometimes you thought, oh, he's going on about holiness, and you're going to some bad memory somewhere, some finger-pointing experience, somebody that set you up for shame, somebody that put you down deliberately, I'm encouraging you to get healed this morning. Because we're not talking about that. For you to get free. And it may be that you say, Phil, I've never, even, I've never even become a Christian yet. How am I possibly going to be holy? Well, I'll try and explain in a moment that it's possible because Jesus Christ has paved the way. But here are seven things that are not to do with holiness. I'm going to have to run through them real quick. But it's important that we get rid of this so holiness is not imposition it's not some top-down controlling attitude it's not somebody that has the privilege to stand uh, about a half a meter higher than you and go, woo, 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 woo. that's not holiness you know putting people down it's not it's not legislation or legalism some of you may have come from a very legalistic background. I did. I've got to get free. And uh, what legalism does is that it's man-made religious rules that are not in the Bible. And people preaching them as though they are. And then people getting upset about things that don't matter and missing out on the things that do. We've got to be free. Because there'll always be another rung to the ladder if you're a legalist. There'll always be something else that you've got to do to try and prove that you're good enough for God. And it's not legislation. It's not intimidation. Where a church sadly steps outside of grace and even uses the teachings of the Bible in an inappropriate way. It's not separation. 
Now, you may have watched some religious programs where somebody's taken up holy orders. I don't want to sort of go there and say these people aren't genuine, but we're not called to live in monasteries and converts. We're called to live in a murky, dark, deep, dangerous world to shine as lights for Jesus Christ, to be salt and light for him. And to make, We're not called never to hear a swear word anymore. We're not called to never hear the name of Jesus Christ blasphemed anymore. We're called to be in it, but to be different in it. That's being holy. And that's what God's called us to be. It's not exhibitionism. Jesus said, never mind about the outside. Inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're on the outside, you're nice and white, but inside, it's all wrong. It's not about exhibitionism, about putting on a show, about wearing the right clothes, about always concentrating on the outward and never dealing with the inward. It's not about denomination. There are some denominations very genuinely that have emerged over 2,000 years that have had a holiness emphasis. One of the emphasis of the great move of Methodism was holiness. And what happened was that when some people felt that they were moving away from the original intentions, they created holiness churches. In North America today, you'll see uh, there'll be a very, very strong holiness church movement and it will be reflected in different styles and trends. But the reality is this, that we, we, there is not holiness churches per se, because we're all caught to be holiness churches. And I'm glad that in church we've got rid of some of the clutter that was supposedly telling us how holy we were. That we can be real, that we can be authentic, that we can be genuine. And it's not defined by denomination. And finally, it's not defined by misconception. Here's the truth. I've read it carefully in the New Testament, but here's the truth. The Christian church at times has felt that holy days, holy weeks, holy relics, holy tables, holy lands, holy buildings are the things that God wants. None of those things are mentioned in the New Testament. All he's bothered about is holy people. That's all he's bothered about. And we substitute the call to people with things and it's a miscomprehension. The only thing he's interested in, in the New Testament, we have people fall out about things that on the argument of holiness, that God is not emphasizing. He is passionate about holy people. So in the last few minutes of the message, I'm just going to bullet point this. Here's four things that are bedrock to living a holy life. Three in the travel of following God, but with his boundaries that make it work. Number one, the revelation of holiness. It's a command. You've seen it there. Be holy because I am holy. It's God's will. Over the years of pastoring, I've had people come up to me at times and say, I'm trying to find God's will. I'm trying to find God's will. I'm trying to find God. Does God want me to go to another nation? Does God want me to give up my job and move to another part of the United Kingdom? And he may want people to do that. In fact, we're praying for it to happen in Arena Church, that we would literally be a church that sends people to nations, that we're people that would increasingly hear the call to plant and pioneer. 
But sometimes we can be looking for the specific of God's will and miss the general. In other words, he's called us to be holy. He's called us to be holy. It's encouraged and it prepares us for service. Sharon and me were having a little meal three or four weeks ago and I dropped my knife on the floor. And the, the guy that was sort of like the waiter, he, he stepped in immediately and says, I will get you another one, sir. I thought, whoa, this is, this is quality. Just a little place we went to. You see, because he realized that I didn't want to use something dirty that was being provided as a service to eat my meal. And I love this verse in Timothy where Paul's talking to his son in the faith and says, be a clean vessel, fit for the master's use. The more free you and I get, the more freedom we minister. We minister, it just happens, we get freer. The more free we get, the more clean we are, it just happens that the more we live it out, it just becomes so much easier. If you're forever wrapped up with all sorts of things and somebody comes to you for prayer and you're not free, you're going to minister free. But we're prepared for the master's work. It's a revelation of holiness. And then a definition of holiness. Secondly, a definition of holiness. In the Old and New Testament, there's no distinction between the words sanctify and holy. They mean exactly the same. And as I've already said, they mean to be set apart. The expression of them, Old and New Testament, was viewed differently. You will know that in the Old Testament, God used tangible means more. Things that we could see, things that we could touch to try and get across the message. But that wasn't the finality of what he was seeking to do. He was using symbols. He was using things that people could see as types that pointed us to the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And so, for instance, in Leviticus, interestingly, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. We actually did it in the Bible school last year. And we're reminding ourselves that one of the great themes of Leviticus is holiness. In that time, in that culture, in that community of God's covenant people, he set up a protocol for how the people came to a holy God. And you know that once a year, still an established date in Judaism, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the High priests would go into the holy of all to represent the people as a covering for sins. All this was pointing us to what took place as Tim led us this morning in the breaking of bread. A finished work on what we call the cross. When Jesus Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed, the finality of the sacrifice. So we don't have to go through those ceremonial procedures anymore, but... As the Old Testament was passionate about holiness and the way to it, so is the new. And depending on what Bible version you're using, those words will interchange. But four expressions of holiness, separation, dedication, purification, and consecration. In other words, God's looking for a separated people from sin, dedicated to his service, pure in heart, and given to service. Knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose. And when we're consecrated, guess what? We make a difference. We make a difference. 
the definition of holiness. Number three, the provision of holiness. Phil, you're going on about this holy thing. The standards seem so high. I'm never going to get there. I feel so unholy. There's things happened in my life. I feel far from God. We can be holy because we are. We can be holy because we are. And here's what Bible commentators talk about as the twofold expression of holy. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, whether it's today or 20 years ago, you positionally were made holy. And you may think, well, I didn't feel that when I became a Christian. I'm not bothered whether you felt it or not. On the truth of Scripture, you became positionally holy before God's status. But then we come back to our other verses and we are to be holy. That's where the rubber hits the road. Because you found that you become a Christian and you're still saying some words that you perhaps know aren't really right and you're still uh, wrestling with some temptations and you're still sorting out some relational issues, etc., etc. And you're still dealing with your temper. This is a process. This is a process. So we are holy positionally and then we are to be holy progressively. This is a lifetime's work. I'm still on the journey intentionally of wanting to be holy. But the reality is that at times we've missed the first point. And we've tried to ask people to, to be holy. Oh God, I'm really trying, I'm really trying. Yeah, there, there is an effort, there is a progression, there is an intentionality involved but from the glorious foundation that you are already holy. That is the amazing truth of what Jesus did for us on the cross. You can do it because he's done it. You can be holy because he is holy. And of course, we know that when Jesus came, he was tried in all points like as we are, but he never sinned. He was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. He's done it. The holy sacrifice on the cross once and for all. We step into it progressively, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, becoming more and more like Jesus. This is how it works. As we give ourselves to reading the word, coming together with other Christians, believing God, engaging in what God's doing in training, so the holiness of God increasingly works out in us to make a difference where he's placed us. And fourthly, the, re the reaction to holiness. When we commit our life to being holy, it will inevitably make a difference. You won't need to say something to people that say, what's happened with you? What's changed in you it's inevitable in an unholy world and we don't have time to open this up this morning but we'll behave differently we'll behave differently we live in what we call an amoral society when you see that prefix a before any word it means none a no moral society a complete disregard for right and wrong people living without boundaries well we're doing well aren't we you know, every graph and chart that expresses the dysfunctionality of society coming out of this difficult two years is up, up, up. We're not doing well. When we disregard the God-ordained boundaries for how society works, 
it impacts us not positively but negatively. So we behave differently. We think differently. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, well before we became increasingly aware of the challenges of the mind, God had gone before us. And I want to encourage people here today that may be particularly challenged at the moment in your head. Head games going on. Challenges in that area to be renewed in your minds. It's an expression of your holy war and to speak differently. And it talks there about appropriate language. I, I, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that language in the public space become, is becoming worse and worse and worse. You know, some of the language that's even used on seemingly straightforward TV programs now and also you think, whoa, where did that come from? Where did that come from? You know, Christians putting OMG. With respect, guys, it's blasphemy. We start to speak differently. Our conversations seasoned with so When you begin to speak differently in your world, people will inevitably notice that you a difference, the reaction to holiness. So boundaries. I want us to understand that as Christian and others come and speak from this pulpit over the next three to four weeks, we're not talking about boundaries that repel but attract. We're not talking about boundaries that are irksome but winsome. We're not talking about boundaries to be ignored but to be embraced. Because when we re-engage with the truth of an intentional commitment to holiness, it will set us free like we've never believed to walk into the destiny that sits all over this room to my right and left. Free to live free. Free to minister free. Free to be free in this world to touch others for Jesus' sight. And as we close, three responses to that. Three responses Number one, our holy journey is not fueled, as I said, by trying harder. It's not fueled by you squeezing yourself into putting a ball and trying to be religious. It's not going to work. You won't keep it up. But when you come to Jesus Christ and fall in love with him, and as we've sang in the songs this morning, give over everything that we've got to the Lord, then here's the fuel in the tank for the journey that will set you up for a holy life. Number one, great love. That we love Jesus. That we're engaged in a love relationship with Jesus. And we love him more and more and more. I'm believing this year, it's one of my prayers, that right across Arena Church this year, people are going to be impacted by a rush. It's the only way I can describe it. A rush of God's love. You're going to be so impacted by the love of God. It's going to be amazing. Number two, great sorrow. Godly sorrow, not remorse because we got caught out, but true repentance, and the Bible says there, that leaves no sorrow. When you're truly re repentant, you're not sorry to leave it behind. You're glad to be going in the opposite direction. We've got people all across the room this morning that were going one way. They're glad to be following Jesus and going in the opposite direction. He's changed them forever. Repentance. And number three, the grand core. 
I was talking to some leaders just recently about the call of God. And we realized that God defines some people vocationally for special ministry. But in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, with no qualification to people that we would call called ministers and Christian believers, he says, Work, walk worthy of the call. Holiness. Dr. Packer wrote a book about that thick. It's a big subject. But this morning, we try to give ourselves a feel, a flavor. Arena Church, let's reclaim the word. Let's embrace it afresh. Let's take hold of it in this town that we represent and the surrounding area. Let the holiness of God flow over the East Midlands, over the churches that we represent. Let the holiness of God touch Toulouse again. Let the hub be a holy place, Lisa, on a Monday morning as people walk into the life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. May Balper and Mansfield and Nottingham be washed again with the holiness of God. It's not something to be pushed back, to be joked about, to be belittled, to be expunged, to be deleted from the dictionary of the Christian church because when we've done all that, we might get a few people to come to church. To what? He's called us to a holy life. He's called us to be different. He's called us to change. And if you'll fall in love with him, if you'll be truly repentant and go the opposite direction, and if you'll hear the call to follow, then holiness will become something rightly understood, a beautiful thing in your life. May the journey forward take us truly forward on the highway of holiness. That is to truly live free. Be holy because I am holy. Let's pray. Thank you, friends, for engaging this morning, stepping in leaning into God I'm going to pray two prayers as I close and then Tim and Helen are going to bring a conclusion to the service and um, I hope that you caught the heart of where we're trying to go not restrictive but utterly liberating and so my first prayer this morning is Phil you've been speaking about holiness I'm not even totally sure I understand what the word's about but I'm not a Christian it seems such a a long way away from where I am, where I live my life. But I wonder if this morning you begin the journey. Begin the journey. And in this very holy moment that you positionally become holy, it sets you up for a win. Not trying to get there through your own efforts, but because Jesus Christ has done it. And what we love to do in Arena Church every week, whatever the subject matter of the ministry, is to say, if you've never become a believer, we're going to pray for you. We're not going to ask you to come to the front or shout your name out or stand up. But we'd love you just to raise your hand and say, Phil, that's me. God has so come to me this morning. Maybe you just feel something stirring in your heart. And, I'd, and uh, I'd love to pray for you this morning to my left or my right. You've never become a Christian. You've never stepped into the holy call. But today's the day. And I'd love to pray for you. Somebody like to raise their hands. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Somebody else this morning, yeah, thank you. Somebody else this morning that says, that's me, that's me, that's me. I'm praying, Lord, this morning that as people have reached out to Jesus, this is a holy moment. 
And right across the earth today, hundreds of people are responding to Jesus Christ. We can't get there, Lord, in our own efforts. We've failed miserably. But we thank you that you paid the price. We thank you that you've covered it all. And I just pray for people that have responded this morning that they will know that you have come to them, that they are holy in God so that they may be holy. And we ask it.